0: Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number two thousand two hundred and seventy-seven. Today we're talking with a, well, really a legend in the automotive sector. This gentleman's been around for a long time. Worked for a lot of amazing companies. So be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah! Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah! You know, it's a little rainy and cold out here in the Northwest, so I decided to go to Florida today, Jacksonville, Florida, with a, and I'm with a very special guest by the name of Doug Evans. Doug, welcome to Cars Yeah! Do you have any gear, and are you ready to release the clutch?
1: I am, Mark. Let's do it.
0: We're going to have some fun. Now, before I give you a an introduction, and you are what I would call an icon in the automotive industry. You've been around forever. Uh, you've been involved in so many cool things. But I wondered if you could share one little thing with our listeners that maybe people don't know about, Doug Evans, before we dive into what you're doing today.
1: Wow. Uh, you know, the first thing that popped up into my head, we had a, a similar exercise once in a SEMA board meeting. And not knowing what else to surprise people with, I, I surprised them with the fact that when I was a kid, I was a violin player.
0: I've had a lot of guests on the show that are former or current musicians, and I think there's some relationship to cars and music. Obviously, there there is in many cases. In fact, I even had John Oates, who's famous for music, who's quite the car guy uh, as a guest here on the show. But, uh, you know, you think back to ZZ Top and their relationship with cars and Sammy Hager, I Can't Drive 55. I mean, all these people. So, uh, yeah, but the violin, a little more civilized, Doug.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, especially when you're, you know, 6'5 and 250, it it doesn't really compute when you (laughs) put it in your head. Yeah, it was a long time ago.
0: I love it. That's great. Well, let me give you a proper introduction. This introduction was hard to pare down because, my gosh, you've done so many things, but I'm going to give it a shot. Doug Evans has been in the specialty automotive aftermarket business for over 40 years. He is currently a senior advisor focusing on mergers and acquisitions for radial equity partners, where they focus on investments in vehicle aftermarket companies. After a brief stint in the media department of Young and Rubicam, that's an advertising agency I've heard of many, many times, a desire to be closer to all things automotive moved Doug to the Peterson Publishing Company way back in 1980. 83, I wasn't even married yet. Where he remained for much of the following three decades, running multiple departments there. Doug also held positions as director of the board of development for Bonnier Corporation, executive vice president and COO for Lucan Communications, was the interim president and CEO of Crower Cams and Equipment, and interim president and CEO of Legendary Group and Coker. Tires, yeah, that little company. He has volunteered for SEMA for over 20 years in various positions and has been recognized with several industry awards, including the SEMA Person of the Year Award, Armo Hall of Fame, SBN Athena Award, and he's a member of the prestigious SEMA Hall of Fame. Doug is also a recipient of the Lee Iacocca Lifetime Achievement Award. Your trophy case must be very full, my friend. We'll be back in just a moment, but first a word from our sponsors, so give them a little love, buckle up, or with Doug Evans today, we're going to learn a lot. We'll be right back. Years ago, when it was time to renew my collector car insurance policy, my carrier's rates went up. Way up, but my usage was the same, and I never made a claim. I didn't even have a ticket. So, what's with that? So, I turned to American Collector's Insurance. Has your collector car insurance recently raised your rates for no good reason? Tired of paying an annual membership fee? Then it's time to look around and call American Collector's Insurance. I shopped around, I asked friends for recommendations, and found a winner Nine three two four And protect the ones you love, like I did, with American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. Are you thinking about selling your classic or exotic car? Do you want to list your vehicle at an auction, but aren't too sure about where or how to start? The pros at Classic.com, well, they can help you out. There's a lot involved in putting your car up for auction. And if you want to represent your ride in its best light... You'll need quality photographs, videos, plus an accurate and detailed write-up. Not to mention being available to handle the tough questions from qualified buyers. The process can be a lot to deal with and mistakes can cost you thousands of dollars. Your car is unique and your marketing plan should be too. My friends at Classic.com, well, they're here to help. They'll handle all the details From an inspection, from a qualified professional, detailed photo shoot, an accurate written description, and your car will be represented to an extensive market by the pros at Classic.com. Be smart and do it right. Talk to a pro about selling your car today. Go to Classic.com slash Cars Yeah. That's Classic.com slash Cars Yeah. And tell them Mark sent you. For several years now, you've heard me talk about Linkage Magazine. I've been a subscriber since the start. They're talented. They're geared for the automotive life. You can subscribe at LinkageMag.com. So, Doug, what a career, what a legacy, what a life. I would assume you probably know everybody in the industry, but I want to go way back for a brief moment here to the beginnings before we get into what you're doing today there at Radial Equity Partners how you got into the automotive industry were you just a car guy from the time you were a little kid uh, what brought you into this industry cuz my gosh you've touched just about everything
1: oh yeah well it's uh, it was i i fortunately or unfortunately had an older brother uh who was a absolutely terrible driver And about every, you know, four or five months when he first started driving, he would wreck a car and and drag it home and it would sit in the woods. And I started playing around with him and buying Peterson magazines to figure out how to fix him. I was 11 or 12 at the time and really started getting into it. And by the time I was uh, 15, 16 years old, I had a pretty good body shop going in my parents garage. Oh, wow. And, uh, my brother continued to be a terrible driver, so he was, my, uh, but I just, I really took to it. Fortunately, my parents, uh, had a good sense of humor and they were just happy that I was reading something. So it might as well be hot rod magazine, right? Yeah. So, uh, that's, that's kind of, kind of how I got into it and eventually building my own cars and, uh, going on from there
0: you've been involved in so many things. And, you know, back in the day, you think about my generation. I mean, my kids call me a boomer. Uh, I take that badge of honor, but uh, they like to tease me a little bit about it. But back in in my old days, and I think even part of your early career, people kind of locked into one business, one career, and they stayed with it. But you You did what is very popular today. You've been involved in a lot of different things. So why did you choose these multiple paths? Was it part of your process of growing and learning and getting involved in as many things as you could?
1: Um, I, you know, I, I suppose, um, you know, really the common thread in almost everything that I've done over the years, of course, is is the automobile and the love of cars. Um, but it, when I, uh, I like college so well that I had to go uh, twice, um, you know, because I, I, I stepped out for a while on a service and came back and finished. Uh, but when I got out, uh, it was the middle of the Jimmy Carter recession, um, and uh, you know I was convinced I wouldn't get a job doing anything. So I was sending resumes wherever I could, and lo and behold, I got the job at Young and Rubicam uh, in the media department. And uh, you know, I, I, one of the things that was great about Young and Rubicam is they had Lincoln Mercury as a as an account, uh, which of course I went there and didn't get to work on that. I got to work on hairspray or something. <laughs> Oh, bummer. (laughs) But uh, it got me close to it. And uh, in the course of doing that, I just kind of quickly recognized that the people selling me advertising were having a whole lot more fun than I was having planning it. Uh, And I thought, well, gee, if I could work for anybody and any magazine, what would it be? And that was hot rod. So uh, that's what I went out and pursued.
0: So going to work for Peterson, you must have thought you landed in heaven.
1: Oh, absolutely! Um, and what a what a terrific company, and all of the just wonderful people, uh, many of whom I still know to this day. And you know, I had the the great privilege of of meeting and working for and getting to know Mr. Peterson, Bob Peterson, and his wife Margie. You know, he uh, he was quite a steward, and all of his management people uh, were as well. I mean, uh, we were really really taught the right way to do business. And uh, it was very helpful to me uh, in my career.
0: Well, it's very cool. And uh, yeah, to be around that. And obviously you stayed there for a long time because you were having a lot of fun and he had his fingers in a lot of things. Uh, Let's fast forward to what you're up to today. I'd love for you to talk more about the company you're a part of, Radial Equity Partners. So what is it you guys are doing there?
1: Well, um, they're uh, one of those private equity firms that everybody uh, hears so much about. And I, I say that laughingly because these guys actually are not dreaded. They're, they're awesome people. In the course of being at Peterson, which, as you are aware, sold several times while I was there, I think uh, I went through five different ownership changes of that company. Um, and as a result, I got exposed to a lot of the good and bad things about private equity uh, when they make uh, moves to buy a company. Uh, so recognizing uh, that you know, the publishing business had changed forever, uh, which it did, it's basically evaporated. Uh, I decided to take what I had learned in that uh, and use it uh, as best I could to help companies going through that process in the aftermarket. So, uh, Radial uh, is a group that uh, is into manufacturing operations and focused on the aftermarket specifically. So, they own uh, Coker Tire, uh, they own Paragon, Corvette, Corvette Central, Zip, uh, and also Dynajet. Mm, Wow. Um, And we are working on, on other possibilities, but I'm just trying to help them uh, identify companies that strategically make sense and then help companies that we uh, get to know and welcome into the family, uh, make them comfortable with it uh, and uh, make it all work. Uh, And it's going very well uh, because these guys do it right. They they buy companies and hold it for a a much longer period of time and they bring assets to it as opposed to trying to strip out costs.
0: Yeah, we've seen the bad side of that. Well, it's very, very cool. And that obviously is a nice little segue into your massively long involvement with SEMA. I just had the CEO of SEMA on the show. And SEMA is one of these organizations that, boy, they've helped so many companies like the companies that Radial owns and so many others and all this, this whole group of people that have been involved. I've been to I think 32 SEMA shows now, something like that. Uh, I've worn out a lot of socks, that's for sure, walking those halls. Talk a little bit about why you've gotten involved in SEMA. And, of course, you gosh SEMA of the year. I mean, SEMA Hall of Fame. I mean, you're, SEMA runs in your blood, I think.
1: Uh, sure, that's a fact. I mean, right up through uh, chairman of the board, which was my uh, one of my bigger honors of my career, um, you know, I think, I've, I've said this before and and it's very, very true. I mean, to this day, uh, when I walk into the Las Vegas convention center for the SEMA show, I still, uh, the hair on the back of my neck goes up and I say, somebody pinch me. I'm actually getting paid to be here. (laughs) Yeah, me too. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really, it's, it's fabulous because it's, Millions of square feet full of stuff that nobody has to have, but everybody is passionate about and really wants. And that, to me, is the beauty uh, of what we get to do for a living. We, we make a lot of people happy uh, and, you know, they're having fun. It's productive. Uh, everybody wants to be there. Everybody enjoys being together. Uh, and uh, that, that's really what drove my, my involvement uh, to get it more involved with SEMA itself. Yeah. You know, plus I, I, in the course of doing what I did for a living, I knew so many companies and so many people, it was a chance to just extend that and keep working with them on a more regular basis. And that just one thing led to another. I started off with Armo and moved on through uh, being on the board. You mentioned uh, Mike Spagnola, who's the current CEO. Mike was on the board with me at one time. Um, it's uh, it's been a lot of fun and uh, definitely a, a big honor for me uh, to help uh, keep the industry moving and be part of it. Oh,
0: there's so much that what the, what SEMA does, and for you listeners, if you missed my talk with Mike last week, two weeks ago actually, um, go back and give it a listen because there's even even in my talk with Mike, there's a lot more about SEMA I didn't know that they do that they help so many different. Parts of the industry and companies evolve and grow. And with this rapidly changing uh, EV world that we're living in now, uh, there's a whole entirely new group of challenges, but opportunities that are coming up in that world as well. You know, I'd like to talk about what I call our driving inspirations, people that are mentors, uh, influential. You've been around some massively influential mentor type folks. Uh, of course, you mentioned Mr. Peterson, um, is there somebody that stands out, if just for today at least? I know this might be a hard question uh, to pick somebody that was massively influential in your past that helped you move forward in your career and your life.
1: Well, besides Mister Peterson, um, you know, I would say uh, my dad, and uh, you know, that that's probably a common answer. But I was asked this question uh, when I got inducted into the Hall of Fame at SEMA, and I said the remarkable thing about my dad is he was a He was my size. He was a great big guy, and he absolutely hated cars. He didn't want anything to do with cars. But he, uh, while he was a pretty strict disciplinarian, he was also a guy who would, you know, hug and kiss his sons in public back in the early 60s and didn't care what people thought. Uh, And he allowed me to turn his garage into a body shop because he knew it was important to me. Um, and he gave me a safe place to be and a safe place to do it. Uh, and, uh, you know, I could, how could I ever repay that? I mean, that was fundamental to everything I did. So, certainly my dad. Um, and, you know, uh, industry wise, uh, I could go on, I could spend three hours talking about all the contributions that Robert E. Peterson gave to the industry, uh, including the creation of SEMA itself. Um, I was gifted the original ledger, uh, from the first SEMA show. That was a handwritten ledger by Gigi Carlton, who was Bob Peterson's longtime assistant. Uh, and I in turn donated that to SEMA. It hangs in the, in the SEMA offices in Di- diamond bar. But, uh, you know, he made all that happen. Uh, and he always had time, uh, t- to help you, um, even though he was like the guy, uh, which was remarkable. So he, he funded uh, the first office in Washington, D.C., for SEMA uh, and then just kind of quietly did it. He never you know, tooted his horn. He just did it because he knew it was important. So uh, just a fabulous guy.
0: Absolutely. You know, you've had this career around your passion for automobiles for so, so long. If a young person was to come to you and ask advice about how they get into the automotive career and automotive career these days, how would you advise them?
1: Well, I, you know, maybe it's it's over overstated, but uh, follow your passion would be my first uh, first piece of advice. And of course, if you go online, you'll see twenty people that say that's a mistake. But it's <laughs> yeah. it, it certainly worked for me, and find a way to make it happen for yourself. Uh, and what is it about automotive that you're the most passionate about? Are you a mechanic? Uh, if so, be a mechanic. We need lots of those. Uh, do you like writing about them? Do you like taking pictures of them? Uh, do you like doing shows about them? Um, and just find a way to get some experience in that so that you can keep pursuing uh, ultimately where you want to get to. But by all means, pursue it.
0: You know, it, it's, it's well listen to advice. And I worked for 11 years in the advertising world before I got involved in uh, the last company I was a part of, which was a startup that I was there for 20 plus years. And it was all automotive focused. But I remember back in the days of being creative and I wanted to be creative, being at a photo shoot and looking at the photographer that I'd hired, I was directing the photo shoot, working with the clients and designing this ad campaign. And I looked at him, and I said, can you believe we're getting paid to do this? <laughs> you know, And he just smiled and he was much older than me. He'd been shooting for many years. I was in my mid-20s. And he goes, Mark, you figured out the secret sauce to life at a young age. Not too many people figured that out. Uh, do what you love. And every day is, yeah, it's got challenges, but uh, it's not like work. It's fun. And that makes you want to get up and go do it. So I think that follow your passion is true. I think for many people, young people, sometimes they have a hard time figuring out what that passion is, which for me was easy. It sounds like for you, it's cars, you know, we love cars. So, uh, but you got to figure that out first. Of course, uh, this life of bliss that we've lived does have challenges. So I'd love for you to share a huge challenge that maybe you've faced throughout your career, your life, but more importantly, now that you've gone through it, you're kind of happy that you had to deal with that tough time. So is there one thing you can maybe share with us today that kind of set you back? But now when you look back, you're kind of glad you had to go through it.
1: Yeah, you bet. Um, I uh, I did leave the automotive world for a time. Uh, and that was um, after, I think, the uh, the initial uh, sale when when Peterson decided he was going to sell the first time. I left because I couldn't imagine uh, anybody uh, doing it other than, than than him. And I decided I was going to go off and be a real magazine guy, quote unquote. So I moved to New York uh, and went to work uh, for Condé Nast, which is the publisher of GQ, Vogue. And we launched a magazine called Details, which was a Gen X uh, version of, of GQ. Uh, and I worked uh, in New York City. Uh, in the magazine business and I lived on my boat on the Hudson river and had a good time wow. and, and, uh, I, you know, cut my teeth, uh, in the real serious, uh, ad business in New York and did well at it. Uh, but when I got a phone call, uh, after the second person bought the company, Uh, and was also in the process of acquiring Dobbs in Florida. And they said, hey, a guy named John Cobb, uh, who uh, is an old workmate of mine, and he was kind enough to call me and say, hey, do you want to come back and and help us run some of the magazines in Florida? I said, you know, you're talking to a guy who just spent a winter on a boat in New York City, uh, and it's cars versus the new suits in the New York men's fashion shows. I think I think, yeah, I'll come back, John. (laughs) So I came back. Um, But that experience really uh, gave me the perspective of could I do something else? Yes. Uh, Was it really uh, my passion? No. Uh, Cars were my passion. Follow your passion. So that's what I did and came back, and it was fabulous.
0: Well, sometimes it's good to branch out and try other things and give them a test, but realize you can go back. And you can't go back to what you love, and uh, I guess in the long run you're certainly glad you did right
1: oh, without a doubt without a doubt and uh um it's uh it's the best thing I ever did so um and in the process of doing all of that and going through uh several more ownership changes of the company, it also uh it taught me a lot about business and you know how to do things right in an acquisition and how to do them wrong uh and uh Uh, that's been helpful to me doing what i'm doing now no
0: no doubt now i know you're a car guy always been a car guy i'd love for you to share one special vehicle story with me today something that really stands out and maybe share something special about that ride so let's start with what what's the car or is it a bike or a motorcycle or an airplane
1: well i can I'll, i'll tell you two stories i'll tell you one that's pretty funny uh first uh and it's about my friend uh Um, Dave Smith with Factory 5 Racing. Do you know Factory 5? Oh,
0: yes. Of course. Yeah.
1: Dave and I are all friends. And, you know, as I mentioned, uh, I'm a fairly big guy. And Dave was always after me to do a car. And I always loved his cars because they're fantastic. Uh, I mean, you talk about a brilliant piece of engineering. I said, Dave, you know, I love your cars, but there's just no way I'll fit in one. Uh, it's just impossible. I will not fit. And he said, I am positive you'll fit. Uh, in fact, I'm so positive. I'm going to send one down to you, uh, at the company studio. And if you'll do a photo shoot for me, I'll send it down there. And I said, fine, we want to do a story on you anyway. Uh, and he said, you get in this car. The driver's a big guy. Uh, no problem. So he sent a Daytona down and. And, uh, we rolled it into the hot rod shop in El Segundo and I had, you know, guys working in the shop and I'm, you know, like a kid on Christmas morning, seeing this thing roll in, I'm all excited. Cause I'm finally going to be able to see if I can fit in one of these comfortably enough to build one. And I got in it and it took me almost 30 minutes to get out of it because I <laughs> I couldn't get out of it.
0: I was going to say, is that because you couldn't get out, or you just loved it so much you didn't want to get out? But it well, sounds-
1: it, was, it was a little of both. But <laughs> I got, I shoehorned myself into it, and then I was, you know, I can't, you can't put a lot of weight on the door to lever yourself oh, up. Yeah, yeah, fire glass. So I ended up, uh, probably looking absolutely ridiculous <laughs> ended up in the air, trying to get out of the car and I eventually did. But, uh, that ended, uh, my, my, uh, discussions about building one, but, uh, <laughs> a great guy and makes great products. But anyway, so there's that story. Yeah. Um. Uh, other great story um i think uh you and i were talking about cars that i've had in the past i think i sent you a picture of my 69 uh, mustang that yeah it started started life as a coupe and we i, I always like fastbacks better like most people oh yeah uh and i said you know this car is perfect but what would it take to turn it into uh, a fastback so I happened to be talking with David Freiberger, who, uh, as you know, uh, is quite a media star these days with Roadkill and his other stuff. But yep. he, was, he was my editor of Hot Rod at the time. And he and I had just finished doing uh, a story uh, uh, that we called The Crate Camaro, where we built a 69 Camaro uh, using nothing but reproduction, sheet metal, uh, and parts, every part on the car. Um, so, uh, we decided, okay, what would it take to turn a coupe into a fastback? And my car was the, the, the first one and the donor for that. Uh, and we worked with some companies to develop, I think there were 10 parts that weren't made, uh, which we fabricated. And now all of those are in production. So you can take basically any generation Mustang and turn it into a fastback, um, but the, the amazing thing about it uh, is all of the subtle things that you don't realize, like uh, the, the A-pillars on the windshield are raked back a couple of degrees more uh, in a fastback than a coupe, which means the windshield is different. Um, and so on and so forth. So once you get into it, uh, it's a little more intense than you think it is. Um, But that ended up being a very fun, fun car and and fun just to kind of have a a concept of, okay, what if, you know, what if we could do this? And we did it and it came out great.
0: Yeah, it's beautiful. Is that a a dark, dark blue? Yes. Yeah. Oh, it's gorgeous. You know, it's fun. The Mustang is one of those cars that just I mean, everybody loves it. I had a 66 Fastback that had been built into a GT350 clone, and I drove it to work every day for several years. And I always say all the cool cars I've had over the years, that car garnered the most attention and thumbs up of any car I've ever had. It was just everybody loved it. You get gas and everybody come over and have a Mustang story. Uh, it was just just a delightful car. A little dicey to drive on the rainy, cold, slick streets in the wintertime around here. Uh, for sure, I had to be a little careful with the, the right foot on the throttle, but uh, that car is stunning. So I'll put a picture of that on Doug's show notes page on the Cars.io website so you can get a glimpse of what we're talking about. Turned out awesome. So I'm going to be your car psychologist today. I do this with all my guests, Doug. I'm going to crawl into your head a little bit here. If you were reincarnated as a vehicle, what would you be and Why?
1: Oh, wow. What would I be and why?
0: Yeah, now this isn't what you want to be. You you got to kind of dig deep into the man in the mirror here as to who you really are.
1: Well, um I let's say a, a 1965 Buick Riviera. Ooh, nice. Okay. And why? Uh well, um With uh, the GS model, uh, it was uh, two four wheels, so dual dual quad nail head motor. So it was powerful. Uh, But that was really, um, I would argue, one of the first attempts to make a fast car out of a luxury car. So it had power windows, uh, seats, all of the fancy stuff air conditioning. It was comfortable, but it was also fast. Uh And it had some breaking stuff uh, like hidden headlights. Um And I, I've owned two of them. Uh, and uh, I've unfortunately had the, the pleasure of fixing those hidden headlights on both cars. <laughs> A little bit of challenge there, huh? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so they had perfected that technology. But 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 that was it. And why uh, again? Because it was it was fast. It was a performance car, but it was also comfortable.
0: Yeah, those things are just cool. Um, and they've I've seen some builds people have done, not only restoring them to originality, but also doing some very custom stuff with those things. Yeah, they they're just awesome. I mean, they're they're beautiful cars. And I would imagine when that car came out, it was probably an eye popper. Uh, for a lot of people, going whoa, what is this? And but Buick is known for that. I mean, you go back to the the '59 Electra, which was pretty radical when you think about it. You know how that, that front end of that thing, but of course, uh, the Rivieros was, was stunning. So okay, I could see that. Yeah, I mean, it's a you know, it's a bigger car. You're a bigger guy, but you know, still can get out there and do it. So. I love it. Very, very nice. You know, I like to ask people how they like to give back. Um, obviously, I mean, your involvement with SEMA and in the industry, I mean, it seems like your entire career has been a lot of giving back. Is that how you view what you've done with many aspects of your career, especially relating to SEMA and how much that organization helps others?
1: Um, certainly, uh, with SEMA, but you know, I, I, would also say that anything that I've, I've given of myself to SEMA and all the related things has paid back tenfold and how good it feels. Uh, cause I just, I get a tremendous amount of, uh, happiness seeing other people get excited about cars and doing all of the fun stuff we get to do. Uh, and then in the course of, uh, things with SEMA we we've had the the great pleasure of being able to help some pretty uh solid organizations like the Austin Hatcher uh, Foundation which is one of SEMA's three charities uh, we bought brought Austin Hatcher on board uh, while I was active uh on the board and the the people who run Austin Hatcher are Jim and Amy Joe Osborne uh Jim is a in addition to being a world-class spine surgeon, he also happens to be an SCCA racer uh, and an old friend. Uh, and uh, he uh, and Amy Joe had a son who died of cancer as an infant, and they started this uh, this this organization to help families who are dealing with that disease. And it's all automotively based so uh they build cars with the kids and families uh they have therapy built around doing stuff with cars uh and it's just it's it's terrific and then of course child help is another one and victory junction camp with the petties is another uh charity of sema so i've had the pleasure of of working with all three organizations and and they're awesome and then uh of course, just doing like I said, doing all of the stuff with, with SEMA too. I mean it's when you see the smile on somebody's face when they when they look at a car or they're they're walking out with an armload of parts to go work on their car with their family. Uh, I get a lot of satisfaction in that
0: yeah it's awesome yeah jim was a guest on uh, cars Jap yeah, back in 2018 i believe is when he was a guest on the show and shared what they're doing there uh yeah awesome guy a uh, wonderful story and of course the Petties uh had uh, richard Petty's son on the show and talked about what they're doing for people so uh so many ways i think you know the car world the car people and you think about all the concours events they always are raising money to help others uh it's just tremendous so some some great uh charity groups there that Seaman, you are involved with how about a great book that you'd like to share with our listeners we love books here at cars yeah oh gosh could be business could be car could be self-help
1: um i don't know i i'm sitting here looking at a book called hot rod empire uh which, which is uh, a book that was published a couple of years ago about Peterson and how the whole company started and, you know, the times with Wally Parks while he was at High Rod before he went and started NHRA. Uh, so I, I'd recommend that. I mean, to somebody who is interested in the industry, there's a lot of little tidbits and, and pieces uh, about uh, characters that they may or may not have met. That's uh, pretty fascinating. So it's worth a read.
0: Yeah, uh, Matt Stone um, was the author of that book. He's been a guest here on the show and, uh, of course, it definitely talks about the Peterson Empire, hot rods, and everything that was built around it. So it's an awesome book. If you're a car person, uh, you should have it on your sh- shelf for sure. So I'm going to enable you today, before I let you go, to go on what I call as the ultimate drive. I'm going to park any car in the world in your driveway. You can take it anywhere. But here's the key. You can take anybody you would like with you, even somebody who's no longer with us, which opens up a world of interesting conversation. So what does this ultimate drive look like for you if I could wave my magic
1: wand? Well, let's see. My ultimate drive, I would say, uh, let's make it uh, in an Auburn bowtail Speedster. Oh, nice. Because uh, that's uh, one of the most beautiful cars in the world, in my opinion. And uh, I would have to say that, uh, and, 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 and I'm not joking here. I'd have to say I'd love to take my wife on that ride. Nice. Uh, I uh, I was a widower up until a few years ago and, and uh, proof that even a blind hog can find an acorn. <laughs> now,
0: you're being a little uh, self-deprecating there, but I'm I'm so happy for you. I've had several friends who have gone through that and kind of feel like there'll never be anybody else in their lives. And yet the acorn shows up. So... There you go. Congratulations.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, thank you, and uh, we've we've had uh, several good years together now, and uh, I just I I've had great fun showing her this wonderful automotive world that I uh, have been a part of, and I'd love to take her on that drive and show her some more.
0: You know, it's a wonderful story. I just called a friend of mine. He's been on the show before too, Wayne Craig, uh, who went through the same thing, and he's now engaged to be remarried. He just uh, last week turned seventy six. Still very active in the car world. He works as a docent on the lawn at Pebble and other big events like La Jolla Concours and, and others. He's involved in the Ironstone Concours. I mean, and he's working at uh, Lodi Medical Center. Um, Yeah, and same thing. He goes, wow, I never thought there'd be somebody else in my life, but here we go. And he's taking her to car events and they're having tours together. And so that's a wonderful story. Uh, That's awesome. I love it. You know, you've taken us on a wonderful journey today. I knew this would be fun, Doug, and I'm so happy we were able to connect um i want to do a shout out thank you to our mutual friend mark osmondson he's the one who connected me with doug mark has brought he's a past guest but he's brought many many inspiring automotive enthusiasts to this show so thank you mark very very much before i let you go today doug could you share maybe some words of inspiration uh, a quote or success quote or something that might leave us with uh, some great thoughts today
1: oh uh i don't know um, I just, uh, encourage everybody that, as we talked about follow your passion and stick to it, uh, good things will happen.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, sometimes you got to find your way, but, uh, good things definitely will happen. I've talked to over 2000 people now on cars. Yeah. That have all done just that. They figured out a way to create a life around their passion. It can be done and there's so many different ways to do it. So I appreciate you sharing your story. How can people learn more about radial equity partners and you?
1: Well, uh, you can find both of us online. Radio Equity Partners is online. You can take a look at the different companies uh, that we've invested in. Uh, and uh, I should be listed there as an advisor. And, of course, you can also find uh, more information about me on the SEMA Hall of Fame website. Uh, and SEMA in general, if you type in uh, Doug and SEMA, you'll, you'll come up with it. And, uh And uh, it's there, good, bad, and ugly.
0: (laughs) It's all good. I can guarantee you, listeners. Doug, thank you for spending some time with me today, sharing your life. What a life it's been. What a life it is. And what a life that you have ahead of you down the road. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road or at the next SEMA show.
1: All right, Mark. Thanks. I'll see you then.
0: (laughs) Definitely. This has been great. 20, 50, or 100 years from now. Will there be a workforce to care for the collector vehicles we love? With auto shop programs disappearing across the country, it's a question we enthusiasts have to ask. That's why I support the RPM Foundation, which exists to ensure that the critical skills necessary to preserve and restore these vehicles aren't lost to time. One of the many ways RPM, which is short for Restoration, Preservation, and Mentorship, is accomplishing this goal is through Workforce Development Initiatives. For more information on how the RPM Foundation is driving the future of the collector vehicle skills trade, visit RPM Foundation today. They're one of the charities of choice here on Cars Yeah! Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun.